Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you for the word which we have already heard in uh, the songs that we have sung, in the prayers that we have prayed, reflecting back to you the will of your word. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, I pray now that you would give us your Holy Spirit, uh, that we would be able to hear your word in such a way that it would penetrate into our hearts, to do that work of transforming us, uh, to transform us into your image and into your likeness. So Holy Spirit, I pray and I ask that you would do that work in each of our hearts here today. Lord, you have plans and purposes for us in this world. You've called us to love you with all of our heart. You've called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Teach us of the importance of these commandments but also, Lord, help us to hold the hope of the gospel as our motivation. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I ask you today, what is the most important commandment? What is the most important commandment? Or we could ask it this way. What is the most important thing for you to do? What is the most important thing for you and I to do in our daily lives. I don't know if you've noticed this, but life presents us with countless things that compete for our affection. Advertisements actually target us personally, enticing us, trying to to gain our affection so that we will then buy the product. Our days are filled with things to do. How many of you would say, yes, my day is filled with things to do? Sometimes I start my day wondering, how am I going to finish everything that needs to be finished and everything that needs to be done? Our calendars are filled with things to do. How many of you have full calendars? Full calendars. Our budgets, our money goes to things to do. Things to do, always. What is the most important thing for us to do? Of all of those things that, that, are, that are trying to woo us and attract us and uh, those things that, are, that, that want to take our, our time and our, our money and our, our thinking and even the affections of our heart, what is the most important thing for us to do? What is the most important commandment? What is the most important commandment for us to follow? A man asked Jesus that question one day. Which commandment is the most important of all? Let's read the account from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 37. And here we will learn the most important thing for us to do. Find it on the screen, or if you'd like to turn to your own scriptures, Uh, Mark chapter 12, beginning with the 28th verse. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor 
as yourself? There's your answer. Love God with everything that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask Jesus any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. What is the most important thing for you to do? What is the most important commandment? Is the stuff, the things that we have to do, is it vying for your affection? Is it pursuing you like a lover, desiring all that you are? What is the most important thing to do? Is it the stuff? Is it the busyness of life? What is it? Well, Jesus says to love God with all your heart, with all of your soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the most important thing to do. So we ask the question. We ask the question of ourselves. Do I love God with all my heart? Do I love God with all my soul? Do I love him with all of my mind and do I love him with all of my strength? And then I have to ask the question, do I love my neighbor as myself? There is no commandment greater than this, to love God and to love your neighbor. So I ask the question, what do you invest your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength into? Who do you love? What do you love? What is it that, that you invest heart, mind, soul, and strength into? What is the passion of your life? What occupies your thinking? What occupies your affections? What occupies your time? What takes your money? Think of it. Do we love God with all that we are? Do we really love him with our whole being? Do we love our neighbor as ourselves? You see, these commandments to love God and to love neighbor summarize the commandments. They summarize all of the commandments. We can actually say, there is one word that we can use to summarize all of the commandments, and that word is love. It is love. 
when it comes to who we love, we cannot ignore the commandments. Jesus in John 14, 15 says, and you you probably know these verses, Jesus says, "If, if you love me, you will do what? You will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey me. John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. John 14, 23 through 24, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. To love God, to love God, is to live in obedience to the commandments. Love of God and obedience to the commandments go hand in hand. You cannot love God and ignore his commands. It'd be like me saying, I I love you, Katie. I love you, and then I just do all sorts of things that irritate her. Well, maybe I do that anyway, right? (laughs) But to have no consideration for her. And to say, I love you, but I, I never spend any time with you. I never devote anything to you. I never do anything around here that's helpful for you. To love God and to keep the commandments go hand in hand. You cannot love God and ignore his commands. You cannot love God and then go off and do whatever seems right in your own eyes. To love God is to walk humbly before him to walk humbly before him in obedience to his commandments. That's what it means to love God. But we must not become confused. We must not become confused because we could end up, if I just ended the sermon right there and said, go in peace and serve the Lord, we may end up in a place of great despair. Martin Luther He tried to love the Lord with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his strength, with everything that he was, and he ended up as a very tormented man in his pursuit of doing that. So how is it that a people whose affections are all messed up, and you need to know this about your pastor, my affections are messed up. And I hope we can get honest about who we really are in this church. If we really look at, at, at what we spend our time doing and what takes up uh, the most of our, of our mind and of, our, of everything that we are, we, we realize, yeah, our affections really are messed up. We're not loving the things that God has commanded us to love. So how is it that a people whose affections are all messed up come to grow in love for God and neighbor? How is it that Adam Jensen, a poor miserable sinner, comes to love God? How can I move from that point of being a, a, a selfish, self, self-focused sinner who always wants to please self come to that point where I love God and neighbor? How is it that we move in that direction? 
Do we, do we grow in our love of God and neighbor by trying harder? By trying harder, working harder. Church, I've tried that. I've tried it and I failed. I tried to work my way closer to God and it doesn't work. So I asked a question then, a theological question. Uh, first of all, I'll, I'll give a statement. We believe that we are fallen. We are ruined by sin. That we are infected with sin. So does our fallen nature have the ability to love God and neighbor? Is it within us to do that? Or has our fallen nature, the brokenness of original sin, made it impossible for us to love God and our neighbor in accordance with the commandments? Is it possible, apart from Holy Spirit, gospel transformation, to love God and our neighbor? Is it possible, apart from him who loves us, to love him and our neighbor? Apart from the transforming power of the gospel, we will never have a desire to repent of sin. Apart from the transforming power of the gospel, we will never love God or our neighbor. It isn't until the gospel of grace and mercy in Christ Jesus lays a hold of us, grabs a hold of our hearts, that we are given a new nature by the Spirit which liberates us to walk in obedience to the commandments, namely to love God and to love neighbor. So it isn't until Jesus imparts his love to you that you can love him and love your neighbor. Let's not put the cart before the horse. So I think uh, we need an illustration to help us out. Is anyone here a hot rod fan? Nobody's a hot rod fan here in this entire place, huh? Wow. Uh, right now, my dad is in the process of restoring an, uh, a, night, uh, a 55 Chevy, Chevy Nomad. It's in his garage in Arizona. So I just, I, I was kind of curious. Anyone here ever own a 1955 Chevy? Oh, we'd have one right there. Two. So you've owned a 1955 Chevy. I ask you this question now. Are you confident it's still running and on the road today? Are you confident that it's still road worthy, legal, street legal? Would you say yes or no? No. Right? We are sinners. We are like old, broken down cars. That's who we are. Old, broken down cars. I have a picture here just to illustrate it for you. That's who we are as sinners. Notice the engine's not even in there, right? Scriptures say that, that we are dead in trespasses and sins. We're dead. So I ask this question, have you ever seen a car fix itself? Have you ever seen a car fix itself? Uh, have you ever witnessed a car giving itself new life and putting itself back on the road? Ever seen that? Now, you say it's ridiculous, it's impossible, cars can't fix themselves. 
And why would we assume that we can fix ourselves? That we can give ourselves a new heart? And that we can lead God-honoring lives apart from the gracious work of Jesus Christ in our lives? We are sinners. We're like old broken down cars. We're born that way. We're incapable of fixing ourselves even from birth. From the moment of birth, we're in need of the gracious and saving hand of God upon our lives. All people, children, teenagers, young adults, middle-aged, elderly, we're in the same boat. We're all sinners. We're all in need of restoration. That restoration, that transformation, through the power of the Holy Spirit bringing us the word of the gospel. And when the gospel takes hold of us, we're, we're transformed. We are born again. We are made new. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Only a skilled mechanic has the ability to take a broken down car like this and turn it into something like this. Isn't that beautiful? Brings tears to my eyes. <laughs> That's one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen. Amazing. Only Jesus, only Jesus can grab hold of broken sinners like you and I and transform us into people who love him who love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and who love our neighbors as ourselves. We cannot transform ourselves into the people, into people who love God and love our neighbors. Only Jesus and the power of his grace and the power of his mercy working in our hearts can accomplish that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? What is he, church? The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, that we would love our neighbors, be reconciled not only with God, but also with others. Reconciliation in the vertical sense, but also in the horizontal sense and our relationships with our neighbors. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him, and this is what it's all about, he made him to be sin who knew no sins, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It is grace from beginning to end. So as we gather together as the body of Christ around the word of God. The Holy Spirit transforms us as his recreated people so that we can go in the power of the Spirit as ambassadors of love and the message of good news. You will never come to love God until the love of God lays hold of your life. You'll never be able to love him. You, you, you will never come to love your neighbor until the love of God lays hold of your life. It is the love of God given to us 
that changes everything. And Jesus is in the business of restoration, transformation, resurrection. That's Jesus' work. So we could, we could uh, think of this. Who were you before Christ laid hold of your life? Who were you and who are you now? How many of you could say, yes, there has been a transformation in my life? I hope you can say that. I hope you can say that there has been a transformation in my life. But, but, but it, it, it doesn't end there. We also need to say, who am I today? Who am I today? And how does Christ need to transform me in the power of his grace today? Because we are still a work in progress. We're still a work in progress. You might say, Pastor, I have so far to go. Pastor, I still struggle. Pastor, I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what Jesus wants me to be. I haven't arrived yet. Guess what? I'm with you. I haven't arrived either. Do you know that I have a long way to go? Do you know I have a lot to learn? Do you know that God is still messing with me? God's still working in my heart. God's still transforming me. Guess what? The Apostle Paul struggled in the same way you do. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions. How many of you can say that? I don't understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. It's good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then what does Paul say? What a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. He is the one who transforms us. He is the one who does this work in our hearts, even though we still have sin, even though we are still messed up, even though we still struggle. Did you know that your performance before God does not determine your standing in God's grace? 
If your standing in God's grace was determined by your performance, it would no longer be Christianity. It would be a false religion. It all depends upon the grace of God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, he's the only one with the power to transform. He's the only one who can transform my poor, miserable, sinful heart. He's the only one who can do it. And the text also reveals the identity of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Who is he? He is Messiah. The son of King David? Yes. But also the son of God. Even King David's Lord. He is the Lord of eternity. He is the promised Messiah. He is the one who has come for you. For you. Jesus came for you. Jesus came to love you. Jesus came to love you to the extent of dying upon the cross just for you. He loves you. He says, I forgive you. You are mine. He says, I'm with you now, today. He is with you. He is in you. He is doing his work of transformation in your heart and in your mind. And he is bestowing once again the promise of love. Live in that love, church. Be transformed by that love. And know that it is the love of God that transforms our affections. It is the love of God that transforms our affections from those things which, which, which vie for our attention and our affections. It transforms our affections so that we realize, yes, many of these things in this world that, that take my time, take up time out of my day, take up time on my calendar, yes, they are important and they are necessary, but these aren't the things that, really, that, that, that I really love. I love Jesus. I love him. And it transforms how I view everything else in life. He is the one who transforms our affections from the worthless things of this world to the one true God, to the one true God who is one, and to the good of our neighbors. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have laid hold of our heart and the power of your word the power of the gospel, this message of grace, this message of mercy to poor, miserable sinners. Lord, if there are any here today who do not know that reality in their life, Lord, I pray that you would continue to do this good work by the power of the gospel in their hearts, that we as a congregation would be completely and totally and utterly transformed by you to love you and to love our neighbors. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.